Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Amazing. Hey, well, if you don't know me, I'm going to have a drink. Then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to definitely step on that. And I'm going to tell you that my name is Mason. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I've been on holidays. Um, so that's pretty good. Who likes holidays? I uh, went to Inverloch. Who likes Inverloch? It's amazing. We spent every day on the beach and just with family. And there really is nothing like for me being on the beach, walking along the beach with the people that you love, sensing God in your heart and just feeling like the world is all just going your way. It really is an amazing, an amazing, amazing feeling. So we had a good time. Uh, we're going to come around the Word of God for just a few moments. I've got a message on my heart um, that I believe this morning is going to stir your faith. That's the intention anyway, because uh, I really felt like God put on my heart for 2024 that it's actually time for the church, church capital C, so not just this church, but the church across the world, the world, to actually rise in a sense of boldness, to remember the God that they serve, to remember that we serve a big God, but the church should probably start acting like as if we believe that He is actually a big God and He's able to do what He says that He is able to do. And so I've got a message on my heart. If you've got a Bible this morning, if not, it's all good to be on the screen. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 32. I'll give you a little bit of context to start. It's a pretty well-known Scripture when Jesus walks on water. Uh, John the Baptist had just died. John the Baptist was paving the way for Jesus. He was also Jesus' cousin, they uh, killed him. So Jesus was going to a mountain place uh, to pray and to grieve. Um, but as he was there, all the people were following Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus had compassion towards the people. So he, brought, he healed all the sick people that came um, to him. And then, then there was a crowd of about 5,000, not including women and children. And then that's the miracle of where Jesus heals the 5,000. Uh, and then, oh, heals the 5,000, feeds the 5,000. Um, and then he sends the disciples out on the boat and he goes to do what he intentionally went to do. He goes up to the mountain to pray. He sends the disciples out on the boat. Uh, the, the boat's a long way off of shore. Uh, it's getting battered by the wind and the waves. The disciples are a little bit scared. So Jesus does the coolest thing and walks to them on the water. Doesn't take a boat. He just walks there. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says this. Immediately he made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd, after he had dismissed the crowd, he went up onto the mountaintop by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to walk to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got in the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But he saw the wind and he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took him saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the Son of God. Can we pray this morning? Lord, I just pray that anything that's of me would fall to the ground, anything that's of you would pierce the hearts of everyone listening. Holy Spirit, would you convict us and stir our faith today? 
to believe again. Lord, we love you. We worship you. Give all the glory, all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Is there any really organised people out there? Someone who's like really organised, you've got lists upon lists. Nobody, we're all disorganised church. That's amazing. It's a good place to be. I feel like I might have been that way as a child, but then my mum kind of beat that out of me with four words. My mum would always use these same four words. You ask any of my sister sisters, I said, what, if we said, what was the words, the four words that mum used the most? Uh, it was these four words. Whenever we had to go somewhere, or whenever we were doing something and we would ask mum, where are we going? My mum would respond with these four words. We're going with the flow all the time. And it was the most frustrating, infuriating thing in the world because we'd say, she'd be like, all right, kids, get in the car. And we'd be like, where are we going? She'd say, we're going with the flow. Well, can you ask the flow where the flow's taking us? Because what, how long are we going to be? However, we're going with the flow. That was always her response. And we would be like, no, you, you know the flow. You, you're making up the flow. The flow doesn't exist. You tell us where we're going. Really, it meant we were going to a, like a nursery or a Bunnings or something like that. And she didn't want us to complain. So she was like, no, we're going with the flow. And it used to infuriate us as kids because we're like, where are we going? Or what are we doing today? We're going with the flow. Be like, well, can I have a friend over? Can I not? We're going with the flow. Well, can you at least just explain? We're going with the flow all the time. And I used to hate it until I turned 18 and got my license. Then when I would leave the house, mum would say, where are you going? And I'd say, going with the flow. She would say, what time are you coming home? Say, Whenever the flow brings me home. How about you ask the flow when the flow's bringing me home? You've been friends with the flow for a long time. You're better friends with the flow than I am. Maybe they'll let you know when I'm gonna come home. I'm going with the flow. And then it used to infuriate mum. Then I got married and told my wife to go with the flow once. And now I don't think I've ever said it again. (laughs) Go with the flow. It was so infuriating. You know, I worked out later why it was so infuriating. Because there's something inside, I think, all of us is that we actually want to know. We do. We want to know. And it's fair enough. Parents in the room, just tell your kids you're going to the nursery. Don't say go with the flow. But there's something inside of all humanity we want to know. Why? Because what we know is comfortable to us and we like to be comfortable. Who likes to be comfortable? Everybody does. We all like to be comfortable. There's nothing wrong with that. We like to be comfortable. I'll give you the example. Pretty much, I guarantee you, 95% of the people in this room drove the same way to church today. Maybe it's not even the most direct route, but it's the way you always come. Why? Because it's what you know. So it's like, why would I go a different way? I'm not going the scenic route. I'm not going to turn down this road and see where it goes. I'm just going to come and I'm going to drive the same way and we're going to come. Also, most of you are probably sitting in the same vicinity that you always sit. Why? Because it's comfortable. I'm not angry at you. It's fine. At least I can tell who's here, who's not here, because you kind of sit in the same area. But it's fine because we feel comfortable. If you don't believe me, how about this? If you've got a significant other or if you've got a partner, whenever you go on a date or you go on a date night, I guarantee you that most of you probably go to the same few places. You go to the same few restaurants. When you get there, you look at the menu, but you already know what you're going to order because you order the same thing every time. I worked out early how to be romantic. Romance is just being spontaneous. So try this, guys, next time you go on a date night. Instead of going to the same restaurant, you always go to ordering the same thing. Just pick a random restaurant. Go to that and order something different and all of a sudden you'll be Romeo and Juliet at that restaurant. It's, it's crazy, it's just spontaneous. 
You still don't believe me? How about this? How about when somebody tells you, starts to tell you a story like, oh, I was at Kmart the other day and I saw Linda. Oh, actually, never mind. How annoying is that when someone stops the story because you want to know, do you not? You're like, don't, what kind of evil person does that? Just tells me half a story, then stops. We all respond this way. Oh, you have to tell me now, don't we? Where it's like, you have to tell me now. Why? Because we want to know, especially if someone says it's none of our business. And then we like make it our business to know what that business is because we want to know, right? We want to be comfortable. I'm going to be really open with you and really like vulnerable with you for a second. This is one of my biggest fears in life. One of my biggest fears in life is whales. Honestly, the whales in the ocean. My biggest fear in life. I could never work it out. I don't like looking at photos of them. I don't like watching them on TV. Like the killer whale movies, Free Willy, like is like a horror movie to me. Because killer whales are the most scary because they could actually kill you. And also they've got like that fake eye. They've got like a white bit that looks like their eye, but their eye is like this beady little thing underneath it. It just gives you the creeps. But the reason I'm scared of whales is because they're so foreign. They're so unknown. In fact, you can add any sea creature to the list. I'm like, I don't like them because it's like, it's because I don't know. It's not comfortable to me because it's foreign. And that's probably part of our human condition. We like to be comfortable. We like what is known. That becomes incredibly difficult though as Christians because we serve a God who often calls us to step out and step into the unknown. And so how do we as Christians continue to walk with God when we like to be comfortable but we serve a God who often will call us out of our comfort zones into the unknown. We actually serve a God who says, don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. Meaning, don't walk all the time by what you see, but live your life trusting in me, even if what you see doesn't line up with what you feel I'm calling you to do. Here to remind someone today that you are called by God. You are gifted. You are called. God has a plan and a purpose for you. You know what? If God, if you have breath in your body today, then God is not finished with you yet. He has a plan and He has a purpose for you. If, the, if you still breathe and you're sitting here, then that means this. God is calling you out to do something. He's calling you. He's moving in your life. He's always going to continue to call and move in your life. But often it takes us to not live by what we see, but actually live by trusting in him. Our trust in Him should supersede what we see. We should come to God in faith. So if God calls us out of something or calls us into something, no matter where He calls us, when He calls us, how He calls us, we should be able to live our lives at a point where our trust in Jesus supersedes everything else, supersedes what, fear, what, what scares us, supersedes the things that we may see in the natural. Because if it is God, then we need to take a step when He asks us to take a step. And so there's a few stories throughout the Gospels that are kind of perplexing to me uh, when it comes to Jesus. This is one of them. The other one is when He walks along the beach and He calls the disciples who are fishing and He just says, hey, you guys, you fishing over there, why don't you uh, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says they drop their net and they follow Jesus. 
That's, I'm not doing that. Oh, sorry, I've got too many questions. Fishes of men sounds like we're gonna go like maybe kill some people or something. Like it's like and eat people. Like it kind of sounds weird. Like this guy walks along the beach. And so, but they just, there's something that, that this perplexes me that they would follow Jesus. Obviously, it's different things and supernatural and all that kind of stuff. But this is another story that has always perplexed me because he's out there in a boat. The disciples are in a boat. Jesus comes walking in the water. They actually do think it's a ghost. So they're scared of it. And it's like, what is this? We're gonna die. There's a ghost walking up to us on, he- on, on the water. And... Um, This is the only question that Peter asks. Lord, if it's you. Lord, if it's you. Can I tell you something, church? That in 2024, that's the only question that we need to ask. That's the only question that you need to ask for your family, for your workplace, for whatever you feel like God is calling you to do. No matter how He calls you, where He calls you, when He calls you, the only question that we should be asking as Christians is, Lord, if it's You, doesn't matter how crazy it looks, doesn't matter what our eyes see in the natural, the only question that you and I need to ask as believers, as those who profess to put our faith in Jesus is that when He calls, when He gives us a dream, when He pushes, when He prods, the only question we should ask is, Lord, is it You? And so can I challenge you for a, sec- for a second? Around the start of a new year, we all make plans. And we all do things and we all say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. This is all. Can I ask you to go back into your plans and ask the question, Lord, is it you? Is it you? And if he says no, get rid of it. If it gives you a new dream, even if it scares you, even if it doesn't make logical sense, the only question you have to ask is, Lord, is it you? Because God says that He will use the foolish things in this world to shame the wise. And so it doesn't always make logical sense when you serve a supernatural God. But if He calls you no matter when, no matter how, the only question we should ask, church, is, Lord, if it's it's you. That's the question He asks. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come. He says, it's me, come. And then that's all Peter needs to believe that he's going to step outside of this boat and walk in supernatural power. Which means this, I started to think, how could that only be the only question that he could ask? And the reality is this, is that Peter actually knew more than we think that he knew because he knew it was Jesus. The reason I tell you to ask that question, Lord, if it's you, because if you know it's the Lord, no matter how unknown it is, you actually know more than you think that you know because you know the Lord. What did Peter know about the Lord? Well, Peter had been following Jesus for a long time. If you track Jesus's life through the, through the Scriptures, through the, uh, 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 the Gospels, you will see that Jesus was not random. Although it seemed random at time, it always ended in some sort of conclusion. And it was like, oh, so that's why He did it in the first place. Why? Because you and I serve a God who is not random, but He is intentional. That means God would not call you out of a boat. God would not call you into a situation that maybe doesn't make logical sense if He did not have a plan and a purpose for it because you and I, we serve an intentional God. And so if God is calling you out of something into something, no matter when, no matter how, He's doing it for a reason. Why? Because He's intentional. 
What's the reason? Maybe to grow you. Maybe to touch somebody else's life. Maybe to do something. Maybe to set a course of events that changes something. God is intentional. He would not call you. He would not move you. He would not prod you. He would not get someone to speak into your life if it was not for a reason. That's why we should ask, Lord, if it's you, because if He's calling you, no matter what it looks like, you need to understand that He is intentional. Peter understood that the Lord Jesus was intentional. And you might see sitting there right now and saying, well, the Lord's not doing anything in my life. Oh, I don't feel like the Lord's doing anything in my life. Can I remind you that even if God is doing nothing, He's still doing something because if He's doing nothing, He's doing nothing on purpose. That's how purposeful God is. If if you're like, oh, I don't feel like God's doing anything. Maybe He's doing that on a purpose. Why? To grow you, to shift you to move you, to do something, to get you on your hands and knees, to worship Him, to to lift your life, to surrender your life again, to grow you. Even if God does nothing, He's still doing something because if He was doing nothing, He's doing it on purpose. You can see it all through the Scriptures. God is intentional. Lord, is it you? Yeah, it's me. I know He wouldn't call me out if it wasn't for a reason, if it wasn't for a purpose. You know the other thing that Peter knew? Peter knew that Jesus was one, compassionate and also two, a provider. Why? Because the stories just before these, that just precede this story, he sees Jesus, lost a friend, going to grieve, but turns around and sees compassion on a crowd and begins to heal the crowd. And the healings are great, right? But the message that came from the healings is even greater. Do you know what? Miracles in your life are great but we experience miracles in moments to carry messages for lifetimes. Sometimes we get so hung up on the miracle. God healed my leg, God healed my leg, God healed my leg. And it's amazing and it's great. But do you know what's even more powerful? The message behind the miracle that you serve a God that is a healer. Because instead of being inward focused, God healed my leg, healed my leg. If you carry the message that comes with it, you go outward focused. No, listen, we serve a God who is a healer. The message is often way more powerful than the miracle that Jesus performs in the first place. Jesus shows compassion on a crowd and begins to heal them. So what does Peter know? One, that Jesus operates in supernatural power because He can heal them, but also that Jesus is compassionate. He understands. He has compassion for you. He wouldn't just call you out. He wouldn't do something. He is, the Bible says, that He is the perfect Father, the God that we serve. Good fathers give good gifts. How much more would our Father in heaven Give good gifts. The other thing he knew was that Jesus was a provider. As some of you may need to be reminded of that this morning, that he is a provider. Why? Because he feeds over 5,000 people. That's an incredible miracle. It's an incredible miracle. But I'll tell you what's more powerful, the message behind the miracle. It's great that He fed 5,000, but the message that we can carry for the rest of our life is that our God is a provider. So he carries that message that he is a provider. He is more than able. He has more than enough to provide everything that I would ever need in any moment. Peter knew this. Why? If it's you, Lord, Peter knew more than we think that he knew. More than we think that he knew. The band could come back up because I'm ready to close. I feel like 
It's going to be good. <laughs> um, you know what else he knew? Peter knew the scriptures. He understood and was taught by Jesus for a while now. So he understood some things about the scriptures and about Jesus. And he had seen Jesus do things and all of that kind of stuff. And so do you know what he understood? He understood that God could make an exception. That God can make an exception. And I'm here to remind someone this morning, no matter the circumstance or the situation that you may face, no matter how bleak it may look in 2024, no matter what your 2024 looks like, whether it looks bleak or whether it looks good or whatever, and whatever you're facing, and you might be looking at something and you kind of go, yeah, I know how this goes. Yeah, I've seen this before. This is gonna end badly. Can I tell you something to stir your faith this morning, church, that we serve a big God and we should act as if that is true. We serve a God that can make an exception. Let me show you through the Scriptures how God makes an exception. Men don't normally go into lion's dens and come out in one piece. But for Daniel, God made an exception. Boys don't go into fiery furnaces and come out not even smelling like smoke. But for the Hebrew boys, God made an exception. Walls don't fall because people yell at them. But for Joshua, God made an exception. People in their 90s don't have babies because it's impossible. But for Sarah, God made an exception. And that's an incredible miracle. But what's the message behind the miracle? That you're never too old to give birth to the dreams and the callings and the gifts that are on your life that God has put deep inside of you. You're never too old. You're never too young. He's still calling you. If there's breath in your body today, can I remind someone this morning that you are called, you are gifted. He's called you out of the darkness into the light to be the light to the rest of the world. You're called, you're gifted. You might say, I'm too old. You might say, I'm too young. People don't have babies in their 90s, but for Sarah, God made an exception. It is never too old. You're never too old to birth the gifts and the dreams and the desires that God has put in your heart. You might say, well, that doesn't make sense. Well, guess what? He did it for Sarah. Red seas don't part, but for Moses and the Israelites, God made an exception. An, an exception and dead men don't go into graves and get back up three days later but for us God made an exception God did it for Daniel He did it for the Hebrew boys He did it for Joshua He did it for Sarah He did it for Moses He did it for us and I believe that somebody needs to hear today that He can do it for you as well we serve a God who makes an exception we serve a God of a supernatural God even if the numbers don't all line up and I'm not telling you to not be smart and I'm not telling you to not be wise but I I am telling you, if it's God, He can make an exception. So if you've heard from God, it's time to take a step. It's time to move again. It's time to, as Paul said to Timothy, hey, young man, young woman, old man, old woman, middle-aged man, middle-aged woman, young kid, Fan in the flame the gifts that God has given you. Continue to fan in the flame the gifts that God has given you. For if there's breath in your body, He is not done with you yet. Fan in the flame the gifts. God can make 
an exception for you. So Peter knows as Jesus calls out on the thing, fishermen don't normally walk on water. But for me, God can make an exception. And I love it because there's all these imagery of fear and being comfortable in a boat and stepping out into the waves and all that kind of, all this imagery that goes along with it. And as he steps out, the greatest one of all is as soon as he steps out past the fear, past the comfort, knowing that it's the Lord, instantly he begins to walk in supernatural power, not in his strength, not by might, not by strength, but by his spirit. He begins to walk in supernatural power. Of course, the imagery is there as well. He gets distracted by the things that go on and he begins to sink, reaches out his hand. He says, help. Bible says what? It says immediately Jesus grabs his hand and pulls him up out of the water. Can I tell you this this morning, and some of you may feel like you're sinking. You may feel like you're drowning. Maybe 2023 wasn't great. Maybe the start of this year hasn't been amazing. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in different stuff. Now is the time to simply lift your hand and say, Jesus, help. Jesus, help. Maybe you have given up on dreams and desires and maybe some weren't of God. Maybe some weren't. Maybe you've ascertained that. Maybe God's speaking to you. But maybe some were. And I feel a sense in in my heart to remind you this morning to maybe go through some of those dead dreams and things in your life or things that you felt like God said to you and ask again, Lord, is is it you? If it's not, great, but just double check. Because if it is Him, on the other side of your fear, on the other side of your comfort, is you becoming all that God has called you to become is you achieving all that God has called you to achieve and be all that He is calling you to be. On the other side, immediately He grabs him, lifts him up. Why did you doubt? Why do we doubt God? Why do we doubt God? I'm telling you this year, church, we've got to come to God with a sense of boldness. We can come into our worlds with a sense of boldness. We will sing about a big God on Sunday. But what if we began to act like that was true? What if we began to act like we do serve a big God and that we believe it? What if we begin to walk and step, not in fear, but in power and love and a sound mind? This is one of my favourite parts of this scripture, of this story, of the imagery that it shows us, the lessons we can learn from it. Is that when He lifts Him up, He is the God of the second chance. And so those of you who feel broken, maybe you feel like you've let God down, maybe you feel like you're drowning. He's one moment from you coming back to Him. He doesn't meet you with arms folded. He meets you with arms wide open. And He begins to pull you back up again. And the crazy thing is here, it just says that they got back in the boat. Can I put to you this this morning that I don't think that Jesus walked and Peter swam. I don't think that Jesus just dragged Peter through the water. It says they got back in the boat and everyone began to worship Him and said, truly you are the Lord. Which means even when Peter got distracted, either when Peter went wayward for a second, as soon as he got back up, Peter probably most likely walked back on the water to the boat because we serve a God of a second chance. 
And so some of you might feel like, man, I let God down or I did this. Can I remind you this morning to go again, to believe again, to dream again, to come to God with boldness this year again and and actually come to Him believing that He is who He says He is and He's able to do what He's able to do. So here's what I want you to do is in all of your plans for this year, first ask the question, is it you, Lord? Even if it scares me, no matter what it is, whatever I feel in my heart, Lord, is it you? And can I remind you that if it is the Lord, you know more than you think that you know. So you, this year, you don't have to go with the flow. This year, you just got to go with Jesus. That's it. Because when we go with Him, we know more than we think that we know. Come on, would you stand with me, church? Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.